The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root. He's known as Mr. Relentless. Uh, He's also known as the Capitalist Evangelist. And he's just come out with a new book called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. Welcome to the show, Wayne. Hey, Jordan. How are you? It's great to be on. Great to be with you. So let's just start, for people who may not be familiar with you, you go into it in great detail in the book, but just kind of give me a brief history of what you've done uh, that led you to wanting to write this book. Well, you know, the whole book opens up with uh, chapter one, which is the last 12 hours of my mother's life. My mom's name was Stella Root. So it kind of all begins there. I think that's the easiest place to start. Uh, I was a nothing and a nobody until those last 12 hours of my mom's life. Um, I was a son of a butcher, and I'm still proud to call myself an SOB, (laughs) and a son of a blue-collar butcher from Brownsville, Brooklyn, and really was going nowhere in life. And all of my success in life has happened since that amazing last 12 hours of my mom's life. She taught me the lesson that kind of lit the way for me and or lit the path for me. And, and I think I'll tell you that story and then I'll give yes, you too. a very, very quick synopsis, uh, synopsis mm-hmm. of where I've gone since then. So I lived in Los Angeles. My parents were both dying of cancer in 1992, this was, in New York. And so I'm flying back and forth, 3,000-mile trip with uh, my mom on the second floor of Valhalla Hospital in, in Westchester County, New York, and my dad on the third floor, both dying of cancer at the same time, different rooms on different floors. Think of the tragedy going on in my head at that moment. And uh, my dad died in March of 92, and my mom at the funeral said that she was going to will herself to die. She said, I can't live without your dad. You know, they've been married almost 50 years. And she said, I can't live without your dad, and I'm going to make sure that I'm dead very soon so I can go join him in heaven. And I thought, you know, she's hysterical. She should be. She's in shock. She should be. It's all understandable, but nobody can will themselves to die. That was my thinking. And 28, I go back to L.A., fly back to L.A. I'm in my home. 28 days later, the telephone rings. And I'll never forget it. It was like it was yesterday still. Uh, it was the oncologist that treated my mom and dad. And he said, uh, Wayne, please sit down. I've got some bad news for you. And so I sat down and he said, uh, I know your dad just died and I've got bad news for you. Your mom fell into a coma. We rushed her to the hospital. She isn't recovering. She's brain dead. I made the decision a few minutes ago. I disconnected life support. There's no brain activity of any kind. Her heart will stop in a matter of seconds. And that's it. She's done. And so there's no need for you to rush home. I I understand how much tragedy you've been through losing both mom and dad inside a month. So I don't want you rushing home. I don't want any more tragedy. I've gotten to know you in the last few months and you're a good guy. And I just want you to take your time, get your affairs in order, uh, breathe deep, meditate a little bit, say your prayers and then come home. That was, you know, word for word, almost what he said to me. Mm -hmm. And, and so my sister, you know, then he handed the phone to my sister 
and so I heard him say, I'm sorry again to my sister. She took, takes the phone and she gets on, waits till he leaves the room and then whispers so no one will hear her so she won't sound like an idiot. She says, Wayne, disregard everything he just said and rush home. Get on the red eye because you and I both know mom is relentless and she won't die till you get here. And I said, what do you mean? I, I, you know, I mean, I know she's relentless, but what do you mean that she won't die till you get here? She's already dead. He just said she's dead. He said, no. She says, no, you didn't listen careful enough. He said she's brain dead, but her heart is still beating. And I'm telling you, it won't stop till you get here. So my sister proceeds to hold her hands the entire night in ICU and say, don't die. Wayne is on the way. You cannot die till your son gets here. And it took me 12 hours to catch the red eye and to make it home and to get my luggage and to rush from the airport. And I burst in that hospital room. I remember pressing those buttons on the elevator, running down the hall, asking the nurse where the room was. And I got in there and the heart was still beating. 12 yes. hours from the time the doctor said it was going to stop any second and she was brain dead. It was still beating. <clears throat> and that's miracle number one in the story, Jordan. But miracle number two is that I sat down with her. I cried with my sister and I and told her how much I loved her and told her how brave she was and told her how much, you know, I, I appreciated what she'd done for me. But now it's time to go. Go join dad. You can rest now. And at that moment, her heart stopped. Mm -hmm. Miracle number two. So my question is, how did she know I was on the way if she was brain dead? How did she know I was there if she was brain dead? How did she know I was telling her it's okay to leave now? How did she know she could let go? And, and I think the answer is what's important in life is your heart, not your brain. As a matter of fact, if your heart is big enough, it doesn't even matter if your brain is alive. That's the lesson <clears throat> I learned from the last 12 hours of my mom's life. And I thought about it a lot. You know, I went home and I took a few days and sat on the beach you know, I lived near Malibu, California, so I went to the beach. And I said, you know, what does all this mean? And how did she know I was coming? How could she survive the whole night when the doctor said she wouldn't make it? And I said to myself, you know, if you could bottle that enthusiasm and that energy and that leadership that she showed <clears throat> and that relentlessness that she showed, if you could bottle that and inject it or drink it, into any human being in the world, wouldn't that be a leader? Wouldn't that be someone you'd follow through hell? Wouldn't you do anything and fight hard for someone who had that ability within them? Well, I want to be like that. I want to be relentless like my mom, and I want to do it in the business world. <clears throat> and ever since then, Jordan, all my success has come. Ever since then, I became the youngest anchorman in the country for CNBC and went from just a guy hired to, to be an anchorman to hosting five shows for CNBC. I became the Jimmy the Greek of my generation, the number one Las Vegas odds maker, <clears throat> and wound up replacing Jimmy the Greek on national TV. Uh, I wound up becoming an author. Uh, this is my 10th book, The Power of Relentless, again, ba based on my mom, modeled after my mom's last 12 hours of pure relentlessness. And... Um, Three of those books have been national bestsellers. Two of them have been number one national bestsellers. Um, I, I am one of the top business speakers in the country. As a matter of fact, I speak all over the world on the power of relentless and something else I call positive addictions. And, and so my life changed because of all of that. I became a vice presidential candidate. I decided on a whim to run for president of the United States albeit as a third-party candidate, libertarian, but nonetheless, it was a serious run. I had to visit 50 states and give speeches in front of 50 state organizations. Then I had to win the nomination on national TV, and uh, I was up against a former United States congressman and a former United States senator, and I almost beat them both and wound up coming in a very close second to the congressman and then was named by him to be his 
presidential running mate wound up the next morning on Fox News. Since then, over 100 appearances on Fox News and over 8,000 appearances on conservative talk radio. You know, one of the top conservative political commentaries, uh, commentators in the country. So all of that happened because I have what I would call the power of relentless. I never give up. I keep fighting. I never bitch. I pitch. Probably my single most important lesson in life. No bitching, lots of pitching. I'm always pitching, pitching, pitching business deals and ideas and my role and my career and my success. And eventually somebody bites. Sometimes it takes 55 phone calls. Sometimes it takes 300 emails. Sometimes you you get an official final no. So you start with someone new with 55 phone calls and 300 emails and and, uh, 2,000 pitches. And eventually you get a yes. And from that one yes, you build a second yes and a third yes and a fourth yes. And each one of them take 10,000 no's. That's so the entire the, philosophy. You thought the reason they're doing the book is a lot of people are not relentless and they give up too easily is what you're saying. That's why you're trying to inspire them. Is that the purpose behind it? Yeah, I'd say that uh, my favorite book other than uh, you know my, my own, <laughs> The Power of Relentless, is uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And Napoleon Hill wrote that book in the 1920s, and he had a great story in there about somebody who was digging for gold in the great California gold rush, and finally, after months of digging and exhaustion and being told there's nothing there and go home, quit, this is ridiculous, you're a joke, he gave in, and he gave up, and he went home. And the next person who took his place in that exact spot, who bought that same claim at a much cheaper price because they realized the last guy failed, so they gave it away for almost nothing, the next person hit gold in one inch of digging. One inch. That mm-hmm. person gave up one inch away from being a multi-multi-millionaire, maybe by today's standards, hundreds of millions of dollars. That sums up almost everybody that I meet in the business world. Most of them go to work for someone and they're afraid to ever leave the job. They're afraid to start their own business. They're afraid to risk their own money. They're afraid to spend money on an advertising campaign. They're afraid of everything in life. And so they hide their whole lives working for someone else and a job they hate in a profession they can't stand, getting a salary that's barely enough to live on, or, or maybe it's just enough to live an uncomfortable life, but not enough to live a fantastic life. It's all about being scared. It's all about fearfulness. It's all about not being relentless and not fighting hard enough. And, and that's the thing about me. I'm a vicious New York street fighter and I wasn't born with it, but I'll tell you what, my mom kind of ingrained it in me in those last 12 hours. I got the idea, it clicked in my mind and my life changed and it's never, you know, it's never gone down from there. It's only gone up from there. There's only been forward. Yeah. I take a step back once in a while, but then five steps forward, then one back, then five more forward. Because when you have the power of relentless, nothing could stop you. So you think a lot of people who are in this kind of fearful position can learn from this and become relentless? Is this a matter of of training or is it a matter of upbringing? I mean, how can people transform, as you say, the majority being fearful and living and working in jobs they hate to being the kind of entrepreneurial, relentless person you are? Well, there's that great debate, Jordan. It's nature versus nurture. And I've always believed in nurture. Let me give you a great example, a great story. Uh, Actually, there's two stories within the story. Story number one is from the day that my daughter was born, I set a goal in my mind that I wanted her to graduate, attend, be accepted by attend and graduate either Harvard or Stanford universities. And so I decided to try my theory out in real world. Uh, I decided to brainwash her. (laughs) And from the moment she was born, uh, there was never a moment in uh, several times a day where I didn't say you're going to Harvard or Stanford someday. And then when she went to sleep at night, you know, I've been lucky enough, uh, 
thank God, thank you, God, that I've had a great life and I'm home almost all the time with my family. I work out of my home. I have a mansion in Las Vegas overlooking the Vegas Strip on an amazing golf course on the signature hole with five lakes and seven waterfalls. And I raised my kids here and I work out of my home. So I work 16 hours a day. I love to work. My vocation is my vacation. I, I love to work all day but I only like to work at home so I could take a break, come out and kiss my kids and say hi, have lunch with my kids, have dinner with my kids and go back to work. And so every night before she went to bed, I would kiss my little daughter Dakota and tell her how much I loved her and tell her how much God loves her and let's pray to God that you go to Harvard or Stanford someday and make daddy proud and you'll be both a scholar and an athlete. And I said that prayer for 18 years and my daughter just graduated recently from Harvard University last May, magna cum laude, in between, she spent a year at Oxford University where she was at the top of her class, and she was both a scholar and an athlete. She won all Ivy League honors in fencing and was one of the best fencers in the United States, and, and I hope she'd go on to the Olympics, but she decided she likes academics much more than sports, and she's now in Germany getting her master's degree with a free ride, full free ride scholarship for her master's at uh, one of the finest universities in Europe. So it's an amazing story, but I haven't even told you the amazing part. She was homeschooled. Never in her entire life in a classroom. And so we didn't have any idea if Harvard would consider her or Stanford would consider her. What's the proof, Jordan, that your daughter's smart if she's never competed in a classroom against anybody? And yet she was accepted by Harvard, Stanford, Columbia, Penn, Brown, Duke, Chicago, Cal Berkeley, all the great colleges in America, 12 for 12, and even was accepted early admittance at Yale University and turned them down because she said, my dad taught me to aim for only number one and Harvard's number one. So I refuse to settle. I'm going to wait to hear what Harvard has to say. And she turned down early admission to Yale. I mean, it's <laughs> one of the most amazing stories in the world. And it proves it's about nurture, not nature. You can be taught to be successful. It has to be your mindset. And, and I'll give you one quick story within the story. My daughter became one of the best fencers in America. And it's impossible to be a great fencer if you only take it up when you're 12 or 13 years old. Most kids are doing this from the age of two or three, and it's only because their mom or dad was an Olympic fencer. Those are the only people who really fence in this country. And they all start young with parents who know what they're doing. I knew nothing about fencing. My wife knew nothing about fencing. This proves, again, it's not nature, it's nurture. You have to be around the right people and have the right mindset. Well, we got lucky. There is some luck in life. And the Olympic fencing coach of the United States of America got older and decided to retire and retire to Las Vegas. And he opened up a studio in Vegas and my wife saw the ad and sent my daughter there. And my daughter was 12 and a half years old and had never fenced a day in her life. And by the time she was 17, because she had the right coaching and a guy who taught her the right mindset, she won the Pacific Coast Championship of the United States of America. And from that day on, every Ivy League fencing coach in the country was chasing my daughter. And that's why she was offered early admission at Yale. And that's why Harvard wanted her and Penn wanted her, et cetera, et cetera. So it was oh, a yeah. combination of perfect SAT scores and perfect uh, athletic ability. Ability, and all of it was taught. She wasn't born with it. It was brainwashing, I would contend. And <laughs> Nurture, that's the power works. of Relentless. Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root. Uh, his new book is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. His website is wayneroot.com. We'll be back after this. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. 
Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root. He's known as Mr. Relentless and the Capitalist Evangelist. His new book, it's his 10th book, is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success financial freedom, and the life of your dreams. And his website is wayneroot.com. Welcome back to the show, Wayne. Hey, Jordan. Great to be on with you again. So we have many principles to being relentless. Let's go through them quickly here. The first one is relentless heart. So what do you mean by that? Well, I, I think that first segment uh, a moment ago described uh, what I consider relentless heart. You know, I mean, it's it's fighting on. Winston Churchill had relentless heart. Without uh, Winston Churchill's heart. Maybe we'd be all living under a Nazi flag today. Winston Churchill just would not accept defeat. And I think all of success comes from not being willing to accept defeat or being willing to accept failure or rejection or the word no. That's another big one is the word no. Everybody's always telling you, no, you can't do that. No, you can't have that. In your lifetime, you hear the word no you know, a million times, but it's so rare that you hear the word yes. And, and your goal in life should be to fight until you hear the word yes. And and so my mother was a fighter. I give you many other examples in this book of people who I consider great fighters who just kept slugging away and pitching away, as I say, instead of bitching away and bitching about their circumstances in life. You just keep pitching and eventually you hear the word yes. I think it's all about heart. In other words, you show me someone with great heart. 
uh, on a football field, as an example. You show me a, a five foot eight inch running back with great heart, and that running back is better than a, than a guy who was born with uh, God given gifts that are so you know so much taller, so much heavier, so much of a football. IQ and football instinct doesn't matter. The kid with the heart is the one I'd pick. It, it was funny. As we do this interview, I was watching Monday Night Football, excuse me, uh, Sunday Night Football last night, the NBC Sunday Night Football show, and uh, Danny Woodhead was one of the players in the game. And Danny Woodhead is five foot eight, like 175 pounds. He's the smallest running back in the entire National Football League. And they mentioned on the show last night, that he is number one in the NFL for yards after being hit. So from the moment he gets hit, he has 200 extra yards. Most running backs, you know, in their NFL lives don't even gain 200 yards and they're out of the NFL. This guy is 200 yards from the moment of contact just this year, and he's five foot eight, 175 pounds. He's a little tiny guy running out there on the football field, he's but he's heart. got <laughs> tremendous heart. Yes. Principle number two is relentless chutzpah. So what do you mean by that? Well, you got to go get it. You know, you got to believe in yourself, got to have faith in yourself, and you got to go get it. I, I can remember a time, uh, many times actually in my life, I I'm, I'm not proud to say, but I'm willing to say that I was flat, broke, and busted, and yet I knew everything would be okay, and I was still willing to, to uh, go out there and fight for a dream of mine, even though I had nothing in the bank. And each of those times, I made it come true. You've got to have chutzpah. You know, I've become friends with Donald Trump, you know, a guy running for president of the United States. And he loves all my columns and my political commentaries. How did that happen? Well, he never would have noticed it on his own. I had to have chutzpah and dig hard and make a lot of phone calls and send out a lot of emails. And finally, I got his personal secretary's email address. And I sent her a column of mine. And I said, I know Donald will like this. And she gave it to him. And the next thing you know, he's emailing me personally and telling me how much he enjoyed the column and I've got his email address. So now every column I write, I send to Donald and I give him ideas for what he ought to say while he's running for president. And most of them, he answers back and says, this is fantastic. Thank you, Wayne. And, you know, I'm supposed to meet him in the next two weeks. We're setting up a time to get together. So my point to you is it never would have happened without me having the chutzpah. Another word for that might be cojones. It might be guts. It might be courage. It's an old Yiddish term. And it just means you got to be out there fighting and pitching and going after your dreams because I realized the other day, Jordan, not one dream I've ever achieved in my life has been achieved because I sat around waiting for someone to come find me or yeah, find you have it. To go get it. I went out and got it. So how does you recommend to somebody who gets a no, in many cases the no will stop somebody, how do they create the fortitude to fight on even though they're continually getting no's? Well, you know, I, I mentioned at the start of my book, um, my book's called The Power of Relentless. And in the first chapter, uh, I mentioned, even before my mom's story, I mentioned the quote from Mike Tyson, that everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And it's so true. And I think that's the weakness of every success book I've ever written, uh, ever, ever read. Even the ones like Think and Grow Rich, you know, Napoleon Hill, one of the great books of all time, probably my hero. Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking and The Power of Enthusiasm. Uh, there's a book out there that's probably the biggest seller in modern history called The Secret. And I've read them all. I've read hundreds of success books. They all give you the plan, but they don't tell you what to do when you get slugged in the face. And when Mike Tyson says, you know, everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face, he means a punch in the face in a boxing ring. But I mean life punches you in the face with the word no and with rejection and with failure. Most people get punched emotionally in the face, in the gut, in the gut, in the balls, literally emotionally. How, how do you respond when you were punched in the face emotionally? How do well, you recover that, from that and keep going on when most people would be defeated? 
Well, I, I hope, you know, that's what makes my book a classic. I hope. I hope someday people are talking about my book a hundred years from now because the first two-thirds of it are really about being this tough New York attitude, relentless guy or gal. And I show you what I've done in my life and I show you how to do it. But the last third of the book is the key to the book. And it's really about how you get involved with my positive addictions, you know, which is a, a combination of, of positive habits and principles. It's prayer. It's uh, faith in God. It's faith in you. It's meditation. It's affirmation. It's visualization. It's yoga. It's healthy diet and lifestyle. It's organic diet. It's, it's exercise every single day. It's, uh, uh, you know, all of those together, a walk every morning. I take a walk with God each morning, and I literally talk to God, plan out my day, think about what I want to achieve, ask God for help achieving it, talk to myself about how to build confidence confidence to achieve it. When you add all of those together, I've been doing this for 30 years and I credit it, you know, from the moment that my mom died to the moment of my success today, I'd say there are two things that propelled me. One is her last 12 hours of life. I've made that clear. And the other is my positive addictions, which I've developed over 30 years. I had one or two at the beginning and then I had three or four. And then the last maybe 15 years, I've had all of them into one plan, one program. I lay every one of them out in my book, Power Relentless. And I left out probably be the single most important one besides uh, prayer and meditation, and that is vitamin supplementation. I'm a guy who, who pops, you know, 75 to 100 vitamins every single day. I've never done a drug in my life, completely clean, completely natural, and, and I'm a guy kind of like Jack Lane that lives on a natural high, and I believe that's what gives me the power and the mindset and the confidence to go after my dreams and to never let the word no stop me, to never let rejection even slow me down, and I never let anyone dissuade me from my dream. I just keep going after it. And I laugh at them because I've got the vitamins. I've got the meditation. I've got the affirmation, the visualization and the prayer and the exercise. When you put it together, Jordan, all it comes down to is motion. I'm a man yeah. of motion and it's mental motion, physical motion and spiritual motion. And if you have those three moving all day long, nobody can ever stop you. Your third principle is relentless ambition and goal setting. So how does that play a role in all this? Well, most people, you know, try and shoot before they've aimed, <laughs> you know, ready, shoot, aim. And that's not a good idea. You need to know exactly what you're aiming at before you can be confident, before you can pray about it, before you can say your affirmations about it. You really do. And so I think that it, it you know, my book lays out. Uh, you know, this program to be positive, positive addictions, and to fight back from the punch. But it also lays out how you establish your goals. It's the most important thing. You have to see them clearly, feel them, taste them, touch them. You have to know what you want short-term, medium-term, and long-term. So every day, you know, I, I plan out my short-term goals, what I want to accomplish today. I, I mean, plan you write them down? Writing down is important as well? Yeah, well, when you say writing, I mean, I used to write them physically on a notepad. Now I, I will write them physically on a notepad or uh, take it from the notepad and, and type it into my computer and put it up on my, on my desktop. But in the end, whether you're writing or typing into a computer, your ideas of what you want to achieve and, where, and your vision of where you want to be need to be right in front of you every day. And you have to study it, and it has to be part of your mind and your life, just like I did with my oldest daughter, Dakota. You know, yeah. she all day long knew it was Harvard and Stanford and make Very daddy proud, you know, yes. Very clear goals. And in my book, I lay out every step you need to make it clear. 
And uh, coaching is one of the things I talk about. You better be around smart people, a good mentor, a good coach. You know, there's a reason why the best teams in sports win, and it's never the quarterback. It's almost always a great coach. And when he or she leaves, the next coach comes in, and there's really a big drop-off because it's hard to find a great coach. Everyone needs somebody great in life to show them what to do and to show them how high to aim and how you're going to get there. Your fourth principle is relentless preparation. So what do you mean by that? Preparation for succeeding? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, preparation for success. You know, it's uh, you know a great example, again, go back to sports, but Yogi Berra was, just died recently and uh, probably the greatest catcher in the history of baseball and maybe the greatest Yankee ever with the possible exception of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. Uh, Yogi Berra, just a great, great player and a man of great wisdom. And I, I remember uh, there was a story about Yogi that uh, the Yankees were playing a doubleheader. And catch, you know, he's a catcher, and that wears your knees out. You get tired. And Yogi uh, didn't want to play the second game because he was tired. And and uh, his teammate was Joe DiMaggio. And Joe DiMaggio came up to him and said, I'm really embarrassed and humiliated <clears throat> that this is the New York Yankees, and we win world championships every year, and our players don't get mentally or physically tired, and you don't want to play the second game, and I'm really sick about it. And Yogi was so embarrassed he never missed the second half of doubleheader ever again in his entire 20-year career. And so practice makes perfect. You got to prepare. You got to work hard. You got to be in it to win it. You got to be there every morning. It's, uh, if the doors open at 9, you better be in the office at 8. In other words, that's the lesson I learned from Joe DiMaggio in his last year passing on his wisdom to the rookie Yogi Berra in his first year is that you've got to be prepared and you got to put in the hours. I work 16 hours a day. You know, I, I laugh when people say, oh, you want to get rich so you never have to work again. That's fine, except my grandfather worked hard his whole life. And then when the doctor said you've had a heart attack, you should never go back to work. He, he made the mistake of listening to the doctor and he died three months later because yeah. he couldn't stand life at home without working. And yeah. I think you're as long as you love what you do, if your voc vocation is a vacation, then it's great fun to work and you got to put in the hours. Now, if you hate what you do, that's a whole different story. So you know what yeah. my advice is? Find what you love, find your purpose in life, and then go attack it with an enthusiasm and an abandon unknown to mankind. Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root, uh, called Mr. Relentless, and you can certainly tell that from the way he's talking here. His book is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. His website, wayneroot.com. We'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root, uh, known as Mr. Relentless and the Capitalist Evangelist. His new book is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. There are seven uh, secrets. We've gone through four of them. The fifth one is relentless branding, Rain. So how does that work? Well, I promised you this would be a power round and I'd go fast so we'd make it through it all, but I lied because relentless branding is so important and so good that I got to tell you a couple quick stories. So number one, I think Donald Trump sums up relentless branding, right? I mean, you have to put yourself in front of people in a positive way and remind them again and again and again of why you have value to them, why you're good at what you do or the best at what you do or the greatest at what you do. And sometimes you have to toot your own horn a little bit and you can't be shy or humble about it. And Donald Trump proves it so. I mean, no one gave him a chance. And uh, where he'll end up, I don't know yet, but I know he's been leading. By, and, and right now, as we do this interview, he's leading by a lot for the Republican presidential nomination. And nobody ever expected him to be in this position. And it's because Donald Trump has spent the last 40 years saying, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest, my cologne's the greatest, my cognac's the greatest, my real estate's the greatest, my suits are the greatest, my cookies are the greatest, everything's the greatest, and people get sick of it and they roll their eyes, but I notice a certain percentage of them buy enough of all of it that he's worth $10 billion. So branding is very important. Everyone knows Donald Trump's name, and they all understand the Trump brand. How about Las Vegas? Another great example of branding. Vegas is uh, uh, the number prime, number one prime example of celebrity branding. If you associate your brand with celebrities, then everybody wants to associate with you. And so Vegas, every picture in the news, in the newspaper, on the TV, on TMZ, on the National Enquirer, it's always a celebrity, <coughs> excuse me, a celebrity in Las Vegas. And so pretty soon people think subconsciously in their mind, that if I go to Vegas, I'm kind of a celebrity and I want to go there and I want to be as hip as Jennifer Lopez and, and uh, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt and George Clooney. And the next thing you know, it's the vacation capital of the world and the tourist capital of the world and the convention capital of the world and you name it. Vegas is number one in almost everything at this point. And so it works. Branding so works. You think you know? anybody can, can create a brand. They have to have something – specific about themselves that's unique. Is that the you idea? You have to find something special and unique. And, and, and people might go to me, well, Wayne, what does Vegas have to do with that? Well, let me ask you something. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas, New Mexico? 
<laughs> Nobody. But yeah. everybody's been to Las Vegas, Nevada. And what's the difference? Virtually nothing. They're both dead-end towns in the middle of the desert that in 1930 nobody ever went to. Las Vegas, Nevada was a place where you stopped for gas on the way to Los Angeles. But they came up with the idea of branding themselves with gambling and sex and sin and alcohol on the way to Las, uh, Los Angeles and celebrities. And the next thing you know, with glitzy casinos, lots of gambling and lots of sex, it's the tourist capital of the world and the convention capital of the world. Branding works. Nobody can ever forget the name Las Vegas. And the last example I'll give you is just my grandfather, who was going to literally go his whole life being a nobody a print shop worker in retirement who had never been in the newspaper in the news one day in his life and came to me and said, Wayne, the only day I'll ever be in the newspaper is the day I die. I'll have an obituary. That's it. I've made no mark on this world. How could I become famous on my 92nd birthday, six months from now? I'm putting the pressure on you to do that for me, Wayne. That's your gift to me. I want you to make me famous on my 92nd birthday. And so I thought about it and I said, grandpa, let's do a grandpa grandson skydive and I'll make you famous. And he went along with it and we did it. And to make a long story short, 50 news organizations from around the world waiting for us when we landed, uh, including the NBC Evening News in, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles, the local edition of the Southland Los Angeles, opened up their entire five o'clock news with grandpa and me landing from our skydive. And he lived in LA and it, it just made his life. He was presented with the key to the city of Pasadena. Blue Cross Blue Shield gave him the Ageless Wonder Award. 30 women from all over the United States sent him letters and proposed marriage to him. And Rosie O'Donnell invited him on the Rosie O'Donnell show where she brought out a cake with 92 candles. She interviewed grandpa about his life. Then they blew the candles out. The audience sang happy birthday in front of 36 million viewers to grandpa Norm and his whole life changed. And I told you so you can do it. You just got to brand yourself. Why was the media so excited? Because I knew they wouldn't cover it unless it was something unique and special. It was a 92 year old man jumping out of an airplane. Your next, your sixth principle is relentless storytelling. So you were just telling a story there, but how do you do storytelling to enhance your brand? Well, you've heard in this interview the story of my daughter, Dakota, going to Harvard, homeschooled to Harvard. You've heard the story of my grandfather becoming famous at the age of 92, jumping out of an airplane and going on the Rosie O'Donnell show. You've heard the story of, uh, of my career and some of my successes. It's been nothing but stories, right? I've told you stories because most people tune out from facts. They're boring and they don't remember them. I could give a speech for 90 minutes and when it's over, the only thing anyone remembers are one or two of the stories I've told because they hit home with them and they touch them emotionally. Ironically, they touch their heart. There's another story you heard from me in this interview, the story of my mom in the last 12 hours of her life. And so it's all about stories. You win political elections with stories, not facts. You become a millionaire with stories, not facts. You build a business with stories, not facts. Everyone has a story. Everyone has a story they can tie into their life, their product, their business, and everybody needs to put that story out there and tie it in with an emotional connection to your customers, your clients, the people who are going to buy you or from you. That's how you become a self-made millionaire in this world. And the seventh principle is relentless, aggressive action. So what are some aggressive actions people should take to be relentless? Well, you know, I set aside an hour each morning. You know, I call it my uh, triad. You know, I, I set aside time each morning, a, a specific time period for physical and a mental and emotional uh, motion. As I said, you got to always be in motion with your brain and your heart and your body, but also uh, for pitching. You know, I keep saying pitching, not bitching. Very important part of my life. I set aside an hour each morning 
before I've ever done anything for my present career. In other words, if you have a nine to five job and you need to make phone calls or go make client visits, uh, all that's great. Do it nine to five. But each morning, get up early enough to set aside an hour to pitch a second career or a third career or your, you know, your talents in the media to get a media interview or whatever it is you do. Maybe on the side, you play the banjo. I don't care what you do. Maybe on the side, you want to build a business while you're working a nine to five job. Maybe you work for government nine to five and you want to build a, you know, your own private sector business uh, as a second career. Maybe you want to work in multi-level marketing. I don't know what you want to do. That's up to you to decide, but whatever it is, take an hour each morning, maybe a half hour if you don't have that much time and just pitch, 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 pitch your second career or your third career. And pretty soon you'll have backups to everything you do in life. Never rely on one boss, one job, one business, one career. I'm a man who walks the walk and talks the talk. So every morning I spend an hour putting out feelers and pitching deals and pitching me and my talents, branding me to new people I've never met before to, to get new clients and it works. And pretty soon you've got 25 different balls in the air instead of most people relying on one. That's what I do in life. I'm aggressive. I am action oriented. I am always in motion and I'm always using uh, motion for my business ideas too. I'm throwing them out there and I'm aggressively going after people and telling them my ideas and chasing them. Cause trust me when I tell you in life, no one will ever chase you. You have to chase them. You say to have a pipeline, basically, is the idea. It's a pipeline of a lot of different possibilities. Because some might work out, some might not work out. But yeah, as long th- as you have many different possibilities, is yes. that the idea? Exactly right. I'd even make it a little more negative than you just made it. Uh, I think the idea of ever succeeding with any idea in this rough and tough uh, business world is maybe one out of ten. So you got to have 25 balls in the air just to have two or three go through. And so, you know, it's always the odds. It's a numbers game. And uh, unfortunately, it's always one out of 10 at best. And so I try and have like 50 balls in the air at all times so that maybe I can have five deals that work this year. And if I didn't pitch those deals all day, an hour each morning, before I even began my normal day, I promise you that I wouldn't have five new deals each year. And at the end of you know 15 years of hard work, maybe I've got 20 careers going at the same time. That's all because of all these years of my morning pipeline where I'm pitching, not bitching. I'm never complaining. I just accept whatever bad things happen and I move on and try and create something new and positive. So what would be a recent example of something where you were pitching and it came through and it was a deal that you weren't expecting that was successful? Oh, <laughs> there's been quite a few of them lately that are kind of interesting. You know, as an example, people wouldn't even believe that this could be possible. Don't you all get junk mail? You get tons of spam junk mail. And so in the last six months, actually, while I was writing this book, The Power of Relentless, and I didn't have my usual hour in the morning to pitch deals uh, because I was you know, writing a book five hours a day and running my careers and running my businesses and making my media appearances. And so I didn't have that hour for about six months. And so I knew I had to you know, figure out a way to get some new deals in the pipeline. And so I, I wound up with two different companies <clears throat> that pitched me. I think you'd call it cold called me with an email and said, you know, why don't you invest in our oil and gas company? Why don't you invest in our student loan company? Why don't you use our student loan search engine to find the perfect student loan or credit loan for your, you know, your family? And they were using that to create new business. Now, me, I saw that as an opportunity. I contacted both of them. I hit reply and I answered them both and said, you know, You've got the worst advertising I've ever seen. It's just a piece of paper on the internet called an email. 
and you got a bunch of words on it and it comes almost like spam. Most people are going to ignore it. I can't believe you get anybody to respond to this. What you need is a guy like me, Wayne Root, on video in, instead of black and white words, you want me on video telling emotional stories in, in color, you know, full technicolor. And you want to send those videos out to people and we will improve your close ratio and your business will dramatically increase and I can do that for you. And both times I said, let me, you know, set, please forward this to the president or CEO of the company. And in both cases, the CEO answered me and said, we'll hire you as our spokesman. We love you. And, and today I'm the spokesman of both companies. I think that's a, those are great Very stories. Good. <laughs> Very good indeed. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, my guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root. His new book is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. His website, wayneroot.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Wayne Allen Root, known as Mr. Relentless and the Capitalist Evangelist. You can see he's very enthusiastic. His book is called The Power of Relentless. Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. We've gone through the seven uh, secret successes. So now we want to get a little bit to the economic realm. He was running for vice president on the libertarian uh, platform. So, Wayne, let's just start off with, on the economic and tax system we've got. How would you reform uh, things? And are there uh, models out there in the world that you think are doing better to revive our economy? Yeah, the, the, listen, the system is horrible that we've currently got. And and I'm a small businessman and I just wish politicians, Jordan, would listen to guys like me and you who are out there in the real world running small businesses. They they don't listen to us. They don't care what we think, they don't care what we say, but we create all the jobs and we pay almost all the taxes. Studies prove that almost every single job in America comes from small business and almost every one of those jobs 
uh, comes from a first-time startup in small business. Almost every job comes from a first-time startup in the first three years. And after that, you level off and you don't create too many new jobs. So you've got to find a way to create and to motivate people to want to start brand new businesses, startups. And, and how would so you do that? Well, I would do it, you know, with the Reagan model. Ronald Reagan produced the greatest economy in the history of the world. That's a fact. And I, you know, I can back it up if anyone wants to debate it. I've got every statistic that proves we went from the malaise and misery of Jimmy Carter and his high taxes and his big regulations to simplify the economy from 70% taxes to 28% and to lower regulations. And next thing you know, it's the greatest economic expansion in world history and the longest uninterrupted period of prosperity in so world what, what history. What would you do today, with where we stand today? So I would replicate the system of Hong Kong, which is a 15% flat tax and a 0% capital gains tax. And how about this one? In Hong Kong, it's not just a 15% flat tax, but they also allow deductions included in that they allow you to deduct your mortgage interest and your uh, charitable contributions. Here in America, we have this, you know, massive taxes that are approximating Greece. You know, we have a rate now when you add in the new Obamacare tax, we're right about 43% at the top. That's like up there with the Cubas of the world and the Greeces of the world. Our taxes are now way higher than Russia, a former communist Soviet Union. And so Hong Kong is the single most prosperous place in the world. Why wouldn't we rather, uh, rather replicate Hong Kong than replicate Cuba that's failing or Greece that's failing or, or Spain or France whose economies are failing? So a 15% flat tax and zero capital gains or as close to that as you could get, in my opinion, would be like a hurricane or tornado that would just, uh, you know, get people so excited, so motivated, jumping through the wall to take the money they've got in the bank, the money they've got in their mattress or their parents' inheritance and open up a business tomorrow. It'll be the opportunity of a lifetime. And right, I so know- That's the first it, thing. That's yes. the first thing. Yes. Number one. Second thing is regulations. Uh, how would you cut back on regulations? Well, I would make it very simple. I'd say we had a great economy under Bill Clinton, you know, so I'm being very fair. I'm being bipartisan. I'm not Republican. I mean, I'm saying a Democrat named Bill Clinton, uh, who, by the way, had a Republican Congress. So it was very bipartisan. They turned the economy into a fabulous go-go economy in the 1990s. And so the day he left office was the year 2000. I would say every single regulation that's been created since then, throw it out the window. Gone. Let's start again, all over again, like it's the year 2000. Only the regulations in place in the year 2000 are what apply today to the year, say, 2016, or when the new president gets into office, 2017. Because let me tell you, does anyone think things have gone well under either George W. Bush or Barack Obama? If you own a business and you say yes, you're lying. Nothing has gone well. And the last two presidents, in my opinion, back to back, were two of the worst presidents in American history. So I'm being really bipartisan here. Bush and Obama were like Hoover and FDR. Disaster. Uh, disastrous economy and no jobs and lots of debt and high taxes and everything going wrong and nobody wants to start a business today. Did you know, Jordan, that not only is business creation the lowest in the last 30 years, new startups, the thing you need, the lifeblood of the economy, but if assuming this year ends with GDP, gross domestic product under 3%, and it's nowhere near that, so it will end under 3% for the year, this will be the seventh straight year of GDP under 3%, which means Obama's the only president in the history of America to produce seven straight years of GDP under 3%. How bad is it? 
The Fed has had 55 straight meetings where they couldn't even raise interest rates a quarter of a point above zero. That's how bad it is. So I'd get rid of all the regulations and I'd dramatically lower the taxes and put hands, uh, put money in the hands of the people that create all the jobs and create all the taxes in America, small business. You're also saying we should return to the gold standard. What would that happen? We, we went off the gold standard in 1971 under Nixon. If you brought it back now, how would that improve things? The biggest mistake we ever made. The three biggest mistakes in history were the creation of the Fed and uh, the creation of the income tax and getting rid of the gold standard. And ironically, even though I'm a fiscal conservative and I always lean conservative, which means Republican, the three worst things that ever happened in modern American history happened under Republican presidents. You know, the Fed, Republican President Wilson, and the income tax, Republican President Wilson, and uh, the getting off the gold standard, Republican President Nixon, all the worst things that ever happened. So again, I'm being very bipartisan here. All politicians suck. Can I say that in a bipartisan yes, way? Yes, They're no good. And they do nothing but hurt and retard the economy. They don't help it grow. The gold standard takes decisions out of the hands of human beings at the Fed who are political beings who are trying to please the president, their master, and try to goose the economy so that the president gets reelected and do him a favor. And instead, it takes all the politics out of it, and, you're, and you just set the uh, currency based on a specific hard price of the price of gold. It's that simple. And that takes all the decision-making and all the mistakes out of it. Gold goes up and down, the dollar goes up and down, and you cannot spend what you don't have when you have a gold standard. There's no such thing as deficit spending, and you don't build up the debt. That's why we need to return to a gold standard. So as an investment, you are a big believer in gold and silver. Why do you think you should put money in gold and silver now compared to bonds or stocks? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm a big believer in history, Jordan, and history never fails. It repeats again and again and again. And throughout history, in the last uh, five millennia, 5,000 years, every time politicians are reckless, wild, irresponsible spenders, they destroy their currency. And as the currency is destroyed, gold goes up. Gold and silver both go up. And anyone who owns them makes a fortune. As a matter of fact, let's just take today as an example. Uh, if you owned a dollar in the year 1913, the year the Fed was founded, and an awful lot of bad decisions and reckless decisions have been made by politicians in the 100-plus years since then. If you owned a million dollars, U.S. dollars, in the year 1913, today they're worth about, give or take a few dollars, they're worth about $20,000 because the dollar has gone down 96% in value since 1913. So you've got the buying power with a million bucks of $20,000. If you had that same million dollars in gold in the year 1913, today it's worth over $50 million. Now you tell me, folks, I don't care if you're, if you're really bad math, the difference between in one hand 20000 and in the other $50 million, which one would you rather have and which one would you rather leave to your children? So if your best guesstimate is that politicians will always be reckless and irresponsible and make really stupid decisions and spend us into bankruptcy and continue doing it, then I would say we all want to own a certain amount of gold as a percent of all of our assets for the rest of all time. And while the rest of the world's going under, we're going to make some money. 
And would you do that as physical gold or gold shares or ETFs? How would you buy your gold? Well, I personally own a little bit of ETF as well because it's just easy. And, and that's not a bad thing. If the market goes up, you own it in the form of a market share. But most of what I own is physical gold and silver kept in safety deposit box or kept in depository out of the United States of America in case something very bad happens. Uh, I'd rather keep it in Hong Kong or Singapore or Australia. Uh, and I've got a little of it in America too. But most of my gold is and silver are kept in physical shares and a physical uh, shares in an IRA account as well. And then I also own a little bit of gold mining stocks because I believe it's one of the most incredible opportunities in the history of, of world economics. The fact that right now gold mining shares are so far below where they need to be, where they should physically be. No. They have nowhere to go but up. We have about a minute to go, Wayne. So just give me a quick summary of all of what you talked about here. What difference will it make in people's lives if they follow your advice to be relentless? Well, I am certainly relentless, and I am. Uh, Steve Forbes just endorsed my book in the latest issue of Forbes magazine. I'm very proud that Steve said it's one of the one of the eight best books of 2015, and he recommends it on your Christmas book list uh, for anyone who wants to make their New Year's resolutions come true. And that's kind of me, you know. I'm a high energy guy. I live each day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. I've got a relentless mindset. I make the impossible possible. I make miracles happen, and I think I get other people excited so that they do it too. My videos change people's lives. If you want to know more about my videos, just go to my website, wayneroot.com. I make up videos uh, for small businesses all over the United States that increase their revenues and increase their branding and their name recognition, get them in the media and, and get them a lot of new customers. Very and good. so I do that all over the world. Very good. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Wayne Allen Root. His book is called The Power of Relentless, Seven Secrets to Achieving Mega Success, Financial Freedom, and the Life of Your Dreams. His website again is wayneroot.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, Wayne. Thank you, Jordan. God bless everyone. Thank you. And we'll be back with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.